the blessings of the new covenant. We're in Hebrews chapter 8, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. The ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, this is Truth For Today, our weekend edition. Welcome to the program. Our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, takes us back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, as our author of Hebrews lays out for us the blessings of the new covenant, especially as he has already laid out for us the challenges of the old. Please join us for a very encouraging look at this new covenant that you and I find ourselves right in the middle of smack dab in the middle of grace. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Here the writer of Hebrews is dealing with people that are vacillating. Some have not, have not made a break from the temple, uh, from the Aaronic priesthood. They've not broken from Judaism as they understood it then. And some are attending these congregational meetings where they're saved Jews and they're vacillating. They're, uh, what's the difference? Uh, I, I, I'm married to the old. I like the way I grew up this way. I grew up being Jewish. I grew up going to synagogue, temple, priest, sacrifices. It's my way of life. And here, with the introduction of Christianity, is a break. Something new has come. Something new has come. And we're laying aside the old. We're laying aside the temple. We're laying aside the Aaronic priesthood. We're laying aside animal sacrifices. And this is a, a revolutionary concept. And then the question, are you asking me to give up my Jewishness? No, not at all. We're asking you to embrace your Jewish Messiah and enter into this new arrangement based upon him. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 8. Now the point in what we are saying, chapter 7, that Christ is our new high priest. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them, notice not with the law, but with the people to whom it was given. 
he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. He's announcing the end of the old dispensation under the law, the Aaronic priesthood, uh, Levitical sacrifices. All that has served its course. It's fading away. And God's going to do something new in the new covenant. Uh, please read with me. Turn to Ezekiel. You need two other pieces that I think well, help us understand the Jeremiah passage that he quotes. If you look at Ezekiel uh, chapter 11 to see another piece of this new covenant that uh, is vital. In eleven fourteen, through the remainder of the chapter, he's saying that there's coming a time when God is going to take scattered Israel among all the nations who's been judged for the idolatry. God's going to bring them back to the land, bring them back from the nations, and he's going to do something for them. And he says in verse 17, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And by the way, they say Jews are leaving Europe in record numbers because of the anti-Semitism that's going on. More and more are moving to Israel, a tough place to live, an expensive place, but trying to get over the persecution against the Jewish people. And so they're being, even going there now, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will put within them I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. He adds here, he's going to take away the stony heart, put a heart of flesh, he's going to put a new spirit in them. Look at chapter 36, just to get various pieces of this new work God's going to do. We pick up verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. They will get to dwell on the land. So it's great promises. I'm going to regather you and I'm going to do a work in your heart so that you never go back to idolatry that you will finally be a people that obey me. I'm going to take away the hard, insensitive spirit. I'm going to do a divine work in you. So he is now saying in this uh, new covenant ministry, uh, let me give you at least six things that he says he's going to do. And if we have time, uh, we'll pick up some other things. Number one, you've got a new high priest. He's not of Aaron's tribe. He is after the order of Melchizedek. He said that in chapter 7. So we have a new representative in this covenant. Not Aaron, but Christ. Christ alone. He is the priest of the church. He is that middleman that represents us to God. So it's based upon a better priest than Aaron. Because if you recall, Hebrews 5 said, the Aaronic priesthood was full of weakness. They had to bring sacrifice for their own sins. They were beset with their own weakness. We now have a glorified high priest. No sin. Makes no sacrifice for himself. He simply represents his people. What a marvelous, marvelous thing. And chapters 8 through 10, he's going to tell you, this high priest ministers from a new sanctuary. Not one in a tent down here. Not the tabernacle tent. Not the t temple of Solomon. He operates out of headquarters up there. Out of the third heaven. And then chapter 9 and 10 will say, and he operates not on the basis of many sacrifices. He operates on the basis of one sacrifice for all time. So just those three things. I got a new high priest new headquarters, and a permanent sacrifice. All of that is a part of the new covenant, not the old covenant. What a marvelous thing. I just think of, where is the headquarters for the church? I remember a man, a, a pastor in the area, didn't like me and called me a cultist. He said he's leading a cult over there. And the reason was I wasn't in a denomination. He was wondering what denomination I belonged to. I said, I belong to the one located in heaven. And he didn't like that. He didn't like that. Well, you're a cultist. And uh, uh, I said, no, no. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm paid up in full. I'm in good standing with the head of the church. <laughs> and he's up there. I've been in denominations. I've been ordained with them. I'm all that. I know all about that. I know all about conventions and preachers and all of that. I gave that up when I started this church because I didn't want to be about it. I just wanted to focus on pastoring. And, but anyway, when you come to see, well, who's the head of your outfit? Christ. Now, now what's a little tricky about that, all groups make that claim. Uh, Joseph Smith makes that claim. Uh, Rome makes that claim. Uh, 
We all say Jesus is the head. How does Jesus make his will known is the second issue. Is it through a denomination's bylaws or through this? See? The issue is how does headquarters make its will known on the earth? We're people that say scriptures. And we're like Luther. I'm not bound by dogmas, popes, decrees, or traditions. My heart is bound by the word of God. And here I stand, I could do no other. Right? I could do no other. We just had some folks come back from Germany. That's got to be fresh in your heart. Fresh in your heart. Here I stand by the word of God. So, he says, we got a new priest, a new headquarters, a new once-for-all sacrifice. And then, what are you going to do? What else is going to happen in this new covenant? Well, Let's begin to look at it. Uh, verse 10, quoting Jeremiah. But I must deal with the theology here. You, you don't care for theology, but I have to. I have to deal with the text. In verse uh, 8, he says, I will establish a new covenant with the church. Is that what your says? Yeah, I got an ESV, so you can blame it. With the house of who? And with the house of, what are we talking about? We're in a new covenant. I thought we were the church. We are not Israel. We are not Judah. Let me tell you what a lot of interpreters do. They steal all the blessings that God promises to Israel, but they leave all the curses on Israel. We don't want Israel's curses, but we steal their blessings. We just massacre scripture. You got a problem. Uh, hey, I've got him saying here, he's making this covenant with the house of Israel. And of course, he's just going to mention some things because the new covenant really is going to regather them to the land. It's going to restore that. He's going to do those things. It's going to be a geopolitical restoration as well as regeneration of the heart. Why are we getting in on this? Because he added the church to its spiritual blessings when he said in the upper room, this cup I'm taking is the blood of a new covenant I'm about to initiate. Ah, new covenant starts there. Uh, First Corinthians, he repeats that. We're drinking the cup, celebrating a new covenant. Second Corinthians 3, Paul says, I am a minister of a new covenant, not the letter, but the spirit. Not of that which is fading, but that which is permanent. Let me give you an illustration. If you were to study the Abrahamic covenant, it goes this way. It starts out in Genesis 12. Leave Ur. I make you a promise to bless you. Okay, good enough. God made a promise. Chapter 15, God adds further things to that promise. And he confirms the covenant by putting Abram to sleep. And walking down between the meat and confirming unconditionally, he's going to bless Abraham. Part of the Abrahamic covenant. But we get to chapter 17. Guess what? I want you to circumcise your male children as a part and sign of this covenant. Well, why didn't you say that back in 12? I didn't. I can give the parts of it as I want. I'm going to give another part circumcise your children. 
Chapter 22, he takes Isaac up to Mount Moriah. He puts an oath on top of his promise. I'm going to truly bless you. I'm going to add kings, nations, property. So you see, from chapter 12 to 22, 10 chapters, he keeps adding different parts to the same covenant. What happens on the new covenant, he includes us and the church for its spiritual salvation aspect. He's not promised us land. He hasn't promised to take us back to Israel. That's Jewish part. He's promised to make us experience the spiritual regeneration, and we've already started cashing in on that. We are enjoying the spiritual salvation benefits of this new covenant. Okay, what are they? Let's pick up verse 10. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. And I'll include the church in the future because they don't even exist now when Jeremiah is writing. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. What is he saying? I'm going to do an internal work in my people because the law has not made them love me. All the ceremony has not made them be true to me. All the sacrifices. God said, I turn from them because of their rebellion. Was their legislation something wrong with it? Something wrong with the Torah? No, the law was good, perfect, wonderful. Nothing wrong with it. But its effect on the people was disastrous because law, there's something about it that reveals the terribleness in our nature, that a good legislation brings out rebellion in us. He says it. You read it. Romans 3.20 says, by the law, it shuts up our mouth, proves us guilty, Galatians 2.19, by the deeds of the law, no one that will ever be right with God. Best legislation in the world. Wonderful. Perfect. You not only break the Ten Commandments, there's a whole lot of other ones we break. And the nation that had the law given to them, how did they end up? Loving God, bowing before God, loyal to Him? Not at all. You can't get any further than the book of Judges than they're selling out God every chance they can. They become idol worshipers. Yo, you can't. You cannot have the law given to you and wind up worshiping another God. You can't. Study the nation of Israel. They never kept the first commandment. Honor the Lord their God. What's the problem? Legislation alone does not make you love God. What we need has to happen in us. Legislate all you want. Legislate all you want. I'll just show you some more commandments I can break. Because he's saying, Israel, you went from me. I chose you. I led you out of Egypt as a father does a child. He said, I was a husband to you. And you became, in the language of the Old Testament, you became a prostitute. You divorced God. You went out. 
You slept with everything in the country. And in Ezekiel 16, he said, you're sleeping under every grove of trees with other gods. He uses horrific language. Infidelity, immorality, idolatry. You've sold me out. You've become a whorish wife. And I made an ideal covenant. And you said, we will do it. We will do it. We will do it. And you've not done it. You've broken it, broken it, broken it. You've abandoned me. So I've got to do something new in order to ever get a people to love me. Having commandments doesn't make you love God. Now, they have the commandment. They had Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and teach this to your children. Wonderful legislation. And some did it. But the nation as a whole did not do it. And they had the commandment. And so God said, even as far back as Jeremiah, way back there in the prophets and Ezekiel, there's coming a time I'm going to give a new covenant and I'm going to roll up the old one because you fail miserably under it. And I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do it with a new high priest at a new sanctuary based upon a new sacrifice. I'm going to do something internally in my people that the law cannot do. And the old covenant failed. And the failure, once again, was the people. We didn't keep it. Isn't it something, uh, sometimes you hear people say, well, I want to know the will of God. You know what? Hear me. The problem with most of us is not knowing it, it's doing it. We're knowledge saturated. You mean you don't know? You don't know what God expects? Or is it, I don't want to do what he expects. I can't explain it. I got something in there that when he says stand up, I want to sit down. When he says don't, I want to. Why? What's wrong? You got to have something change in you that only God can do. It's really the promise of regeneration. Being born again inside where God gives you a new nature, a new heart, a new spirit. That's why Nicodemus was supposed to know when Jesus said, you need to be born of water and the spirit, Nicodemus. And he's clearly, you mean you want me to be born from my mother again? No, no. Oh, teacher of Israel, don't you know this? Don't you know that Ezekiel said, God will cleanse you, sprinkle you with water, and do something in your spirit. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together today, taking us to God's Word, growing in grace. And it is our prayer that as we spend time with you here on our Sunday edition of Truth For Today, that you find yourself encouraged, prepared to go and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions or comments about the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. As always, your correspondence with us means a great deal. It lets us know that we're here on a regular basis on KFAX doing what the Lord has called us to do, and that is mutually edifying one another in the glory of Christ. Again, questions, comments, prayer requests, feel free to contact us at 855 833 
855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Resource materials and other information can be found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. And as we conclude our time together, we also would remind you that this broadcast is listener-supported. As you link arms with us financially and prayerfully, we're able to continue the ministry here on KFAX, not only Monday through Friday in the mornings, but also Sunday mornings here as well. And again, We'd love to hear from you. You can donate securely online, and it is a tax-deductible donation. You can do so at valleybible.org or simply write and send your check to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is the zip code. Information about today's broadcast, copies, and what all is available, simply call us at 855 833 9864. Also, as you do support the ministry on a regular basis, you become a TFT sustainer, which means a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and access to Pastor Phil's weekly video devotional called Take a Break. Find out more by visiting valleybible.org. And if you're not currently involved in a worship service near you, consider joining us here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Details, directions, and information can again be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855-833-9864. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.